Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yes, it is. And... uh, Sorry, I just like, I literally just realized that we have this like fancy lighting in here. Are we having a photo shoot? Yeah, I mean, this room just gets really dark. It looks nice. I mean, thank you, because it's really the most janky thing of all time. It's like, I don't want to buy floor lamps, so I'm just using our box lights that we use for like self tapes and yeah but it kind of reminds me like if we had like a ring light in front of us and we were just like trying to look really good for nobody yeah you're like look casual like if we were shooting this for youtube yeah exactly exactly just like trying to at least have like good lighting to make us look not old and haggard and tired like we are wow (laughs) very aggressive let's face it how dare you feeling i'm sorry i'm fucking exhausted but what else is new that's how we start off every mini episode yeah i mean honestly i feel like I'm, I'm, I, f- I feel okay about the way I'm aging. I- I'd like to keep it that way. 100%. <laughs> I mean, but like, I feel old and haggard, but. I'm just know. exhausted. Like, I'm exhausted on a, on a personal level. The listeners know this. But then also, you know, since this is a news episode, this week. It's, it's the end of the world again. Once again, it's the end of the world. And yeah. shit is really 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 heavy and really confusing and very frustrating and very scary and i think we should talk about it should we just get into it yeah let's get into it so i mean i definitely think i don't think i know that there are people far more qualified to talk about this than you and i however we have to talk about of course what's going on with ukraine and ukraine right now um it's terrifying. Uh, the first thing that I became aware of, Max just made a comment last night. He was like, we were making dinner and a war started. Like it literally happened like that fast. We had just gotten done like cleaning up after dinner and Max was on Reddit and there was like the video of, I think it was like the CNN newscaster who was alive. Um, like on the roof of a hotel and you could start hearing the bombs going off and he's like putting on his bulletproof vest and his helmet like on air live while he's like giving this interview and everything. And it was so scary and very real watching it all unravel to this newscaster live. Right. I mean, and wars are nothing new to us. I mean, there's they're nothing new to any American generation. I feel like every generation has had to experience war. Uh, But this feels, this feels different because we're dealing with Russia and, you know, basically Putin threatened nuclear war. Yeah. I mean, something we're going to talk about is that Putin has threatened anyone that would come to the assistance of Ukraine with horrible consequences and the fact that Putin has said in the past that he has nukes we know what kind of threat we're under and it's really really scary and I think that that's what a lot of people in a lot of allied countries are feeling is just kind of like what the what the fuck is like are we getting involved should we get involved there is this kind of conscience of heart because it's like 
you want to be able to be that like America that everybody wants to be and like the heroes and fight and whatever. But like also like we fucking can't. We would fall apart. You know what I mean? There's Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think it's... And we'd be nuked. Morally, morally, it's hard because it feels like we should be doing something. Right. Um, however, I think that there's also a fear. I was, I was listening to The Daily and they were talking about the fear is that if we do go in... First of all, Ukraine's not a NATO-allied country. Um... And to me, that feels very arbitrary, like right is right. right and wrong is wrong, regardless of whether or not they're part of NATO. You know, I wonder, though, if it would be some sort of like if they are already under some sort of protection or if there would already be some sort of agreement if Ukraine was already under NATO. Again, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I can understand why maybe it would be a little bit. It's different that we're helping this country that isn't already part of like that already agreed upon allyship. Right. I mean, and like you said Vladimir Putin said that Russia, quote, remains one of the most powerful nuclear states and warned against international interference. And this speech is very scary. Like that man is terrifying. Um, In the speech announcing the attack, which he didn't call an attack, he called it like a peacekeeping mission or something. Yeah, well, this is, I want to interject really quick about that because you mentioned the peacekeeping mission. It's absolute bullshit. Putin is saying that essentially ever since... Um, this president of Ukraine, you know, stepped away in 2014 and this new president Zelensky, you know, took power that Ukraine has been taken over by extremists and Nazis and they want to denazify Ukraine. And that's like one of the major things he's saying, which is nuts because the president of Ukraine is Jewish. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a group of people called separatists who are who live in Ukraine, who are Ukrainians, I believe, but are for Russia coming in, and they've kind yeah. of been working on the inside, right, uh, with Russia to make this happen. Well, and it's like they must have somehow concocted this propaganda because. I haven't seen any of my sources tell me that there's any sort of no. basis in any of that. It seems like absolute fabricated lies, which it is. Yes. But yeah. what what is the basis in this? I mean, it's so Trumpish to me of like spewing something well, that is friends. so exactly something that is so obviously a lie. But how are these people like Falling for I it. don't think they are. I think it's I don't think that they are. It's an excuse to invade the country. But what do you it's think the Russian more. people are thinking? Like, well, just the lot, people like you and I, a lot of the people in Russia are opposed to this war. Actually, there's a lot of um, Russian people who are protesting in Russia right now, right. Uh, which is very scary for them to be doing. Like they're putting their own safety. Yeah, at they risk. don't have the same protections for protesting that the right. United States does. I mean, certainly, I'm sure that there are people in Russia who support this invasion but there are also lots of people lots of regular people who do not support this invasion and see it for what it is to me yeah he wants the land in my opinion from i mean again i i don't know all the history i don't know all the ins and outs but from what i've been gathering it just seems like the guy isn't getting what he wants and now he's throwing a huge hissy fit over it and making up lies that's ruining lives and killing people. Right. Like I said, there are definitely more qualified people to speak about this. I don't know all of the ins and outs of the the history there of this conflict. So I can't give you all of that background information as to why 
he's choosing to enter in, the only thing that I see is a power hungry man. Like that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um, But on Wednesday, more than 150 Russian troops were in combat ready positions. So they'd been kind of like inching closer and closer. Yeah. Throughout the last few weeks, they were getting closer and closer Mm -hmm. to multiple borders of Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, and like Biden and a lot of other world leaders were like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. We're warning you. We're warning you not to do it. And, you know, they kept saying like, we're not going to do anything. Like we're not doing anything. And they're like, well, then why are you stationed there? Like it's, it's you, you keep gathering troops. Like, you know, all along that border, it feels like you're about to do something, you know? Um, And then they did invade um, special forces and airborne troops were closing in on Ukraine's capital of Kiev on, um, what was that? I guess Wednesday night. It would have been, well, it would have been Wednesday, Thursday morning, their time, but Wednesday night our time. Sunset. By sunset, I think it was sunset Wednesday. Oh, I thought that, because when I was watching the the newscaster and what I was reading earlier, it said that the, I think the announcement was made the night mm-hmm. before, but I believe the actual attacks happened like before sunrise, like around 6 a.m. and like Moscow time. Yeah, it's hard because of the time difference. Right. You know, like it's I was watching stuff I got like information. dinner time last night was mm-hmm. when I was seeing everything go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have fully gone in at this point. A senior U.S. Defense Department official said that Russian forces, quote, have every intention of decapitating the government and installing their own method of governance. Um, Russian forces have captured the Chernobyl power plant. And um, this invasion marks the biggest attack by one country against another in Europe since World War II, Mm. which is very scary. Very. President Biden announced more sanctions against Russia. So basically, I think... He is very cautious. Like in that daily uh, podcast I listened to, they had yeah. an expert on speaking about it. And they said, you know, if this was a different president, if this was Theodore Roosevelt or or even Bill Clinton, like we might be seeing different a different outcome as far as whether or not the U.S. would actually boots on the ground get involved. Right. But Biden is very opposed. because, And I think it's because he fears that if... The Russian military, which is very powerful, and the American military go head to head. We are looking at World War Three. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that he's right about that. And I think that also if you were looking at it from a political standpoint, his numbers are shitty. I don't necessarily know if going to war would help or hurt him. I don't know. Historically, it's helped. Historically, it's helped. But I don't know if at this point in time it would help or hurt him. But I think that the biggest concern that any president should have for their country is to keep their citizens safe. And the fact that Putin has made it so clear that there will be instant devastation if anything is done by other countries to support Ukraine, there is no other option besides World War III to happen, I believe, if U.S. gets involved right. because of the two huge like military superpowers that would be at play. Right. I mean, and we'll see where it ends up. The U.S. may get involved later down the road. Right. Um, I know that a lot of people in Ukraine want the U.S. to get involved. Of course they um, do. They and feel be- very unsafe right now. Yes, and, be- and because historically the U.S. has been the... Co- 
a country that would be able to come and help and be those. Well, we put like, enough money into our military. Exactly. We better be. Able we should be to, right. You know. Um. So let's talk a little bit about the sanctions that Biden did yes. put on because there isn't a whole lot that I think he feels comfortable doing right now. But this is a good start. And these sanctions would directly affect Russian economy and they, their infrastructure. And so their infrastructure. It is, it's not yeah. nothing. No, it's very much not nothing. Like this is really, really detrimental to Russia. So the sanctions include export blocks on technology, which would severely limit Russia's ability to advance its military and aerospace sector. Biden also applied sanctions to Russian banks and, quote, corrupt billionaires and their families who are close to the Kremlin. He also announced new deployment of ground and air forces to NATO's eastern flank, even as he reiterated that U.S. troops would not and will not engage in direct conflict with Ukraine. So he's making it very clear, like, not now, nor will we be a part of this, but... I think time will tell right. uh, depending on how the next few days even go. Right. I mean, and a big part of it is whether or not Russia gets really big in their britches and decides to branch out into other Eastern European countries because Biden did say that he had authorized sending more troops to Eastern European countries in the NATO alliance. But right. the Ukraine, as far as I understand, and this is probably a very elementary understanding of this, has kind of been on like the wait list to join NATO for okay. a long time. And I think the situation would be very different. Like we said in our um, War on Terror episode, one of them that was kind of the first time there was like, if you hit one of us, you hit all of us kind of right. strategy yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of NATO. Like when we got hit, then the rest of NATO was like, okay, well we got your back. Yeah. We're right? backing you up. And I think that that would be the same situation with the Ukraine where they part of NATO, but they're not. So Biden has said, if other Eastern European countries that are part of NATO end up being affected, he has authorized to send troops to those regions. Okay. So, I mean, that's... It's technicalities. It's, it's hard. I mean, it just... But like, what are you supposed to do? I, I, mean, I mean, this is the thing where it's an impossible because I am so anti-war. I am so against all of it. And I feel like a hypocrite for even thinking, like, we need to go and help them and do something. And the only thing we can do is send troops over there that I can think of. It's... it's it, conflicting in my brain right now you know it's hard for me to reconcile it it's very it's just it's really tough because you have to look at it from a strategic standpoint you have to but that's but that's so goes against like well of course everything in me you know very empathetic and emotional people yeah like who are very strong in their morals too right and so you feel like from a moral standpoint you can't just leave people to suffer when you have the ability to do something about it. However, from a strategic standpoint, you don't want to do something that in the end is going to cause more casualties and more suffering. So you really have to think through what you're doing, but it's, it's really sad. And the U S ambassador to the UN warned that a Russian invasion could displace up to 5 million Ukrainians. And this would result in a massive refugee crisis. Yes. That is also something to keep in mind that like there are going to be reverberations and ripple effects of this, you know, outside of even just casualties, which is horrific enough. Right. Right. Um, There, a ton of Ukrainians are being displaced at the moment. Thousands of Ukrainian civilians fled um, 
fled cities fearing for their lives many in kiev like if you Good. see the footage oh but yeah i've seen it it's very sad like if you watch the interviews with these people like i saw one where a guy was he just kind of left he left with his cat he had his cat in his cat carrier and was just like i'm going to my friends she has a car we can't get out of here by bus but i'm afraid i'm going to die if i don't get out of here yeah you know and um, thank you for saving your cat yeah very cute cat but they there's a huge like backlog of people like the lanes of buses and cars are backed up for miles of people trying to get out especially of the cities so again please go educate yourselves with people who know more about this topic uh than madigan and i but we did want to at least start the conversation and i also wanted to point to ways that we can help those in Ukraine. I got this list from, do you follow So Informed on Instagram? Yes, yes, I do. They're great. It's so.informed on Instagram. And they put together this little infographic of ways that you can help Ukraine. So I'm going to share these with you now. Um, you can donate to organizations that are doing work in Ukraine. There's Voices of Children, and they provide psychological and psychosocial support for kids who are impacted by armed conflict. Mm. There's United Help Ukraine, which receives and distributes donations, food, and medical supplies to displaced Ukrainians affected by the invasion. Revived Soldiers Ukraine provides medical aid to Ukrainian soldiers and provides support to their families. Uh, You can also support independent journalism in Ukraine because that is going to become more and more threatened as Russia, I mean, Russia's been kind of known to to do that with uh, their reporters to have like kind of a very tight grip on the information that comes in and out of any given place. So. Um, the Kiev Independent is Ukraine is Ukraine's English language media outlet, and they are providing moment to moment updates as the attack on Ukraine continues. And then, more than anything else, just try to stay as informed as possible on this topic. Um, and you know, it's changing every minute. It's changing every minute. That's yeah. what made it hard for me to kind of like write my notes because, yeah. like, every second I'm getting a new like Apple News update. Yeah. Well, and especially like for me, if I don't have the day off, I don't have my phone all day. So, you know, I do my best. I literally did my research over lunch today because I didn't I, I had to get it as close to the time that we could record. Yes. Yeah. But not so close that I was cutting it too close. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think we both did our best to make it as like listener friendly for people to understand. But certainly like go and do your own research. Read about it. There's so many other things that I was reading about that helped me understand it a little bit more and I still don't feel like I have any sort of grasp on the situation but um well anytime you're dealing with this kind of conflict I feel like we had a similar conversation when we were talking about Palestine and Israel is that you have to understand so many decades of history to fully grasp yeah how we got to where we are right now you know and if Um, we're not a part of it it really is like playing a game of catch-up trying to figure out what all went down, you know? Yeah. So I I think that first and foremost, you know, keeping those in Ukraine in our minds and hearts and sending, whether it be prayers or positive energy or whatever that means to you. And also making or money, sure if you got it, or I was going to say, and also making sure we're doing our part in any other ways that we can give it. So thank you for giving those resources. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? 
because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Um, I do have one other terrible thing that I want to discuss. I don't it's have anything good. The same thing I have. <laughs> I do have, have one good thing that we can wrap up with. Thank so. God. I didn't have time to look for anything good, but I do want to talk about Governor Abbott in Texas. Yes. My headline is Texas still shitty. That's I, the headline I have for my notes here. And I don't mean, is, again, we say this every time. I don't mean every person in Texas. No, no, no. But Just, like... I know so many people from Texas that live in L.A. and they all feel the same. They were like, I love where I'm from, but like, fuck, Texas, what the fuck? But like, seriously, is Governor Abbott like in the running for worst person of all time? For like, real. I just have what's his deal. My title is Governor Abbott being transphobic because that's just exactly what he's being. So this is kind of a weird situation. I had to do like a couple reads over it to understand fully what was going on and what's at stake here. But I do think it's really important to discuss. So Governor Abbott of Texas told state health agencies in Texas on Tuesday that medical treatments provided to transgender adolescents, which is standard care and medicine, should be classified as child abuse under existing state law. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. Let's just stop there. Like, what the fuck? Mm, Yeah. I mean, can we also just point out that this is the same state that would have a 12-year-old rape victim carry 
a baby to term. Yes. And that has and completely handled the pandemic horribly and all these. There's so much hypocritical thought from this man and action from this man that it is ridiculous. But he uses every sort of like buzz topic of uber conservatives and throws it in your face to try to become the most popular on that side. And it's really sickening. Well, it's very political. Like I saw a lot of people discussing it. I think I read it was either a New York Times article or um, maybe a Washington Post article or something where they were talking to someone who basically said, yeah, the midterms are coming up. Yeah, I I think it might have been the same. I think that's the New York Times article that I read as well. Um, So Abbott specified that the reporting requirements applied to, quote, all licensed professionals who have direct contact with children who may be subject to abuse, including doctors, nurses and teachers and provide criminal penalties for failure to report such child abuse. So what he's saying is that if you are a doctor, teacher, nurse, anybody like that, very similar to the abortion ban. If you see something, you can report it. There will be an investigation. And the general public as well, similar to the ab- exactly. abortion ban. You like can you be, can rat out your, your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if your neighbor is giving their child hormones or, um, or even just hormone blockers or, which, or puberty block. Yeah. Anything like that. You can then call upon an, an investigation to happen under an existing law in Texas. Um, it is unclear, though, how this is going to be enforced. I don't think it's going it, to pass. Right. Well, well, this is the thing. There's been a lot of bills like this that have been pushed and not passed. But the thing that I think is becoming more and more obvious, though attorneys and DAs or whatever are not going to enforce these investigations for the most part, you're still giving human beings mm-hmm. the opportunity to criticize, stigmatize, um, violate. I mean, there's there's so yes. much awful stigma around all of that in general. And I cannot imagine being a child and having to go through all of that as well, or the parent of a child having to go through all of this, where you're trying to do the best thing for your child, where it's been proven that having medical care that is conducive to a child's gender is helpful to what to later on in life where they will have less mental health issues, so on and so forth. Like it has been proven. Even just allowing them the extra time to to figure it out, figure it out. Like, right. Because like, that's how I've heard of like hormone blockers being used is like, we're we're not even going to put you on anything. We're just going to block you from going through puberty so that you have time to to figure this out before yes. you make a decision and, and we'll, we'll put you on whatever we need to put you on at that point. You know, all like, why of can't this, you make those decisions for your child? Exactly. And but in all of this is between a parent, a child and their and doctor, their, their medical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like abortion is. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And the fact that a governor would try to paint these parents and these doctors and teachers as child abusers Mm -hmm. when it's proven that what they're doing is actually probably saving this kid's life is so harmful because he's implanting these ideas in everyone's minds that what he's saying is true. 
and and teachers and doctors are going to be tattling on people and getting people in trouble and creating so much more damage for these children that should just be able to exist in their lives safely. Yeah, I mean... So there's a staff attorney at the ACLU of Texas, uh, Brian Klosterbor, and he wrote a statement that neither the opinion of Ken Paxton, who is the Texas attorney general, nor the governor Abbott, like it doesn't really matter. It's not going to have a legal effect. He said, quote, it cannot change Texas law or usurp the constitutional rights of Texas families. However, this is what he said, quote, but they spread fear and misinformation and could spur false reporting of child abuse at a time when Child Protective Services is already facing a crisis in our state's foster care system. The law is clear that parents, guardians, and doctors can pro- can provide transgender youth with treatment in accordance with prevailing standards of care. Any parent or guardian who loves and supports their child and is taking them to a licensed healthcare provider is not engaging in child abuse. And they know this. That's the thing. Thank it's, you it's, for putting all the words that I was trying yes. to say into the perfect sentence well, structure, I didn't. Brian. Thank, thank no, Brian. I'm saying yeah. I'm thanking Brian. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's the thing though that's so insidious about this is I have no doubt that these people know this. Like Governor Abbott knows this. It's not going to actually affect the law. Right. But what it's going to do is it's going those people who have these really hateful, bigoted thoughts, yeah. It's giving them permission to act on those thoughts or at least to think like they're they're correct. They feel validated in their hatred. Well, and all these people could one day be in office too. You know what I mean? Like I always just think about that too. So like I mentioned earlier, several bills like this have been introduced in Texas and none of them have passed. Though the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center and Children's Medical Center in Dallas closed the state's only multidisciplinary clinic for trans youth in November. Also, early voting has already begun in primary elections across Texas, like we were saying, with Election Day being March 1st. And he is going against a Republican, apparently, who questioned whether he has been sufficiently conservative. What I read in this article, which is... I'm very scared for everyone in Texas right now. If you're about to get a more conservative... I know. I mean, I don't know if I read that. I read it a couple of times, and I was like, I guess that's what they're saying. But, like, I don't know. To me, it seems like a lot of banging on his chest essentially to prove like he said that he's the most like conservative right wing hard on progressive but it's it's very scary you know, I think that Greg Abbott is kind of an interesting case study of like where we are in Republican yeah. politics or conservative politics right now where it's not just conservative values it's the most like bigoted hate it's rooted in, oh, like, it's not even conservative. It's like beyond right. that. But that's the only word we really have for it. Yeah, still. I mean, because we've always thought of the Republican Party as being one thing and they've gone so far beyond that where it's like now in order to get ahead, in order to get people to vote for you, it's this Trumpism mentality that's completely rooted in hatred. Yeah. Like, and you have to be in. like the most over the top, the most right vile the most in your face because that's how trump won and now there's been all these predecessors that are the same it's just it's the same trick different pony yeah we hate women we hate trans people we hate gay people we hate black people like that is just you know we hate immigrants like that is just that's their rally right now and it's it's scary you know it's, it's scary that they have so much power yes but you know on the plus side there are a lot of elected officials in texas who are like 
fuck this. No. Yeah. Like, we're not going to enforce that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Luckily, you know? a lo- like the DA, many, many attorneys, a lot of people that are professionals in Texas have come forward to be like, this is absolutely ridiculous. We are not going to comply with the opinion right. of Governor yes. Abbott yes. because that's essentially what it is. It's an opinion. Yes. It's not a law. Absolutely. Um, but it is incredibly damaging, which is why it's still yes. so important to talk about. Like, I, my heart goes out to, you know, trans and non-binary people in Texas right now. Yeah. I can't imagine how scared. Yeah. It's, it's infuriating. I, I first kind of like started hearing more about this because busy Phillips had made a post busy has a non-binary child. And so made a post about, you know, her feelings about caring for her child and how, letting them express who they are as part of being a good parent and loving them and absolutely and helping and having your child be the captain of their own ship and you just being there to support them and love them through whatever it is that they need from you because you're their parent. And it was, it was really well written and beautiful. And I think that there are probably a lot of other parents right now that are making similar posts that are so important. So I think that in order, the best way to combat all of this is by proudly being yourself, living to your most truth, staying with those that support you the most and knowing that like, hopefully one day this will be behind us and you do have people that are willing to, I hope so to love you and fight alongside of you. Like, yeah, you're so not alone. It's been a rough, like doing my prep for this episode. I was just like, man, it just all feels so cyclical and so like just we always end up in the same boat. It's like going, going to wars for power and like hating people because we don't understand them. And yeah. like, it's just like how, why is that the human condition? Like why? Yeah. You know, I it's well for people who are empathetic and caring and educated. That's something that we just simply can't understand because that's not the way our brain works. Yeah. It just seems to me that like, everyone else has been brainwashed and we're just screaming, hoping that everybody wakes up someday. Yeah. I mean, and I, I do still believe that there's more good people than bad people in the world. It's just, it's just that the bad people right now tend to have a shit ton of power, a shit ton of money, a shit ton of influence. And they make it worse for everyone around them. Yeah. It's it's just like, it leaks all over everybody. And the bad like overpowers the good because it just paints this dark cloud over everything. Like it's just, it's just harder to, to, wade your way through. Yeah. Um, okay. So just to wrap this up really quickly, a sliver of good news. Please give um, me a silver lining. I mean, and even this is good news rooted in bad news. Okay. Um, but it is that, so not Derek Chauvin, but the other three officers right. who were involved in the murder of George Floyd, they were found guilty of violating George Floyd's rights. Thank so God. that is what they were on trial for. I think they also face other charges, but I was going to say, didn't they also have some sort of like, yeah, accessory I don't, or manslaughter or something in there. I don't know that the verdict has been returned on those yet. I could be wrong. Because there was that one officer who was in the video a lot that wasn't Chauvin. It was another officer who well, was like a big part of it. Was it uh, Tutau? Yes. Oh, okay. Because uh, there's Tutau, there's J. Alexander Quang, and Thomas Lane. I remember Tutau's name. Yes. I'm and, pretty sure. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on it, but I think I like that name was the one that stuck in my head. I mean, I remember him distinctly from the video in the very first video. I know that there were others of different angles, but in the very first video, I, he stood out because he was standing right there. Well, he was the one that I believe was kind of pushing 
um, onlookers away. Mm. And I, I just remember him being like very vocal, like hearing his voice a lot mm-hmm. and kind of like manning the situation. Well, a federal jury determined that they had willfully violated Floyd's constitutional rights in May of 2020 by not providing medical care when he lost a when he lost a pulse and that two of them were also guilty of not intervening to stop fellow officer Derek Chauvin Good. from planting his knee on Floyd's neck. So sentencing will be determined at a future hearing, um, but they face between, and this is wild, our justice system, they face between a year and life in prison. <sighs> uh, so I guess we will see, but I mean, as upsetting as it is that we even have to keep having this, these trials at least this is an example of the Justice Department prosecuting officers for their inaction yeah. uh, in a situation where a person lost their life. So right. that's but I something. mean, but the one thing that I'm thinking about when we're talking about this is what we discussed in our anniversary episode is like the reason that all of this is happening is because we were so yes. fucking loud. Yeah, it wouldn't be happening otherwise and at all. And all I can think about are the people that are killed every day by cops that don't get the same attention where there is no accountability. There is no justice of any kind. And like we had to fucking beg and fight for this in the middle of a pandemic for some sort of action. And even then it's like, this is great. I'm glad this happened. And, and honestly, a lot of those cases, not Breonna Taylor, but a lot of those cases um, that were brought up at that time have had at least somewhat positive outcomes. However, but what's happened since then? Exactly. What's changed? Yeah. Like, what have we actually done? There's not been a lot in of our structural police force. change. No, yeah. and there hasn't been any change in our justice system for how we are prosecuting these people, yeah. these officers that are doing these things. Like, nothing has actually changed. So, while I'm so excited and happy that the Floyd family is getting the justice that they deserve. Yeah. I'm infuriated to think that it only happened because we were so loud about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even given all of that, nothing really changed. Nothing that, changed. I mean, that's the thing. That, it that's was, it so was like these, a handful of cases turned out differently. Yeah, they're like, it really feels like they're placating this. Like they were like, well, fine, we'll deal with these ones. Then will you guys shut up and leave well, us and alone? And there was no, you know? how, how could they have ever said Chauvin was not guilty. How could they have ever said, I mean, there would have been all the time with different officers in similar cases. I I mean, I know, I just feel like, I don't know this whole, I don't know if it was because we were in a pandemic or everything, but I just thought I was like, if they don't give us what we want, like there will be to pay. Like I feel, it it does feel like they're placating us and it's incredibly frustrating. I, I just can't stop thinking about everybody else that doesn't get the help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was my positive thing. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's just not where my mind's at, apparently. (laughs) But we love you all so much. And uh, we we were going to read a sister solidarity story, but we had such a heavy news week that we knew that we weren't going to be able to make it. So thank you to the listener for reaching out to us and letting us know that it was okay for us to read your story. We will be getting to it next week. And I would love for anyone else, if you want to share a sister solidarity story, please go ahead and send them in. If there are any news topics you want us to cover, you can also email us those as well. Our email is neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. Another quick reminder, we do have new merch. If you'd like to check it out. It's so cute. It is very cute. I saw Mm -hmm. the picture. I love it so much. I haven't gotten any of the new merch yet, but 
payday is tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to check it out. Um, I definitely want to get like stickers and magnets and shirts yeah. and things yeah, like that. Yeah, there's really cute stuff. I think it's pretty cute. So if you want to check it out, we will have a link in our show notes. So we also have a link in our bio on our Instagram if you want to check it out there. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, the best way that you can support Keegan and I is by leaving a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We have some really fun and exciting things coming up, and we would greatly appreciate the extra support if you are willing to give it. So if you haven't given us a beautiful review yet, please hop on over to your Apple Podcasts app now and get to it. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.